Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Be it superstition or just an apparition, you suddenly appear inside my heart. Does this strange romance stand the ghost of a chance? Welcome to the second episode of From the Bleachers. I'm your host, Seamus Clancy, coming at you from the best, the premier Eagles podcast network around BGN Radio. Now, originally, I hadn't planned on discussing Sunday's debacle in Minnesota. It was disastrous. What a just terrible, terrible game. But today, I'm recording on Monday. You're likely listening to this on Tuesday or later. The Eagles cut linebacker Zach Brown after last week just criticizing and tearing up Kirk Cousins in the press leading up to Sunday. And now, like every Eagles fan... I enjoy making fun of Kirk Cousins. I like tearing him up, the you know, calling him Kirk Coupons, calling him Kirk Cousins, telling him, oh, you like that? You like that? All that nonsense. But if you're talking smack, you got to back it up. And the Eagles certainly did not do that on Sunday. And just it was a devastating loss. And the defense was just in shambles. And I think Zach Brown is someone who has a lot of personality and someone who's always stood out as an individual in the Eagles locker room the short time he's been there. And I don't know if that necessarily ruffles the Feathers with the coaching staff or other players, and maybe it has, and maybe Sunday was the last straw because Zach Brown just got cut. And for a team that just lost Nigel Bradham, he left the Vikings game in a walking boot, and whose linebacking core in depth wasn't really there to begin with. To cut him isn't about his on the on the field performance or his play. It's been fine. He's not great. He's not even good, really. But it's what he did off the field, and I think. After a pretty discouraging performance from Doug in the first half on Sunday, I'm not even talking about the fake field goal. I kind of like the nonsense of trick plays. And, you know, it's not the trick play I would have run. I would have rather have just had Gonford in fourth down and let Wentz throw the rock because that's what we were paying him $100 million guaranteed to do, and he's awesome. Uh, you know, I would have ran, you know, a flea flicker, reverse pass or something during the course of the game. But he was just too cute with running the ball. I think it's the complete inverse of the Andy era where – Everyone was screaming from the run the ball, run the ball, run the ball so much that he's actually starting to listen. And he ran, the Eagles were down 7 nothing after their Vikings opening drive. Their first time with the ball. They're on the road. They're underdogs. They're trailing 7 nothing already. They run the ball three straight times and then punt the ball. Just unacceptable. It's 2019, Doug. You got Carson Wentz. You can't. got to get a first down on that opening drive just to settle things, just to take the crowd out of it. You got Alshon Jeffrey. You got Zach Ertz. You got Dallas Scott. We're not asking to break off chunk rate plays or throw the ball downfield. Deshaun Jackson's not there. Deshaun Jackson's not there, and he better be back this week in Dallas. He better be back. And it seems they're optimistic he might be able to, but they're just not the same without Deshaun. Getting a little ahead of myself, but Doug wasn't himself on Sunday, and I was pretty discouraged by his performance and really disappointed in him. Doug's my guy. I love Doug. If it wasn't for Doug, 
wouldn't have a girlfriend. I wouldn't live in my own probably. I'd probably be a deadbeat blogger still living in my childhood bedroom. But Doug, you got to bring it. You got to get that 2017 juice back. You're lacking the juice right now, pal. You smelt yourself a little too much after a great rushing performance in Green Bay two weeks back. And now you have to go back to your 2017 routine. Get out of this. You probably miss Frank Wright some. Frank Wright, I think he was underrated in Philly. Everyone wanted to talk up John Filippo as, you know, the QB whisperer. I think all along Frank Wright was the guy who game planned during the week, who set up the game script. And Doug is fantastic at changing things in the middle of the game and adapting to what's happening. And you saw that in the second quarter and the third quarter when they were really letting Wentz fling the ball around the field. But he's lacking in terms of during the week, game week preparation. I think that's where they miss Wright dearly. Dearly, and one of the reasons why I think Mike Gro needs to hit the bricks because I have no idea what he's doing. Again, getting ahead of myself. I like that Doug cut Zach Brown. I don't know if it's a Doug move, it's a Howie move, it's one of them, it's both of them in collaboration. I like cutting him. I wasn't against what he said about Cousins last week, but I respect Doug taking it upon himself and saying, hey, you put an unnecessary target from on my back. You're not that good to begin with. You're already probably disliked by some players in the locker room for your attitude. Just get out of here, dude. You're done. You're donezo. Hit the bricks. It's a power move. And after, again, a discouraging performance in terms of calling the plays and game script and lead up in preparation for his game against Minnesota. I like that. I like Doug coming out. He's big balls dog, as everyone likes to say. That's a big balls dog move. So Zach Brown's gone. And I'm done with Minnesota. Minnesota talks over. Unless I'm bringing up 38-7, no more Minnesota talk. So the Eagles lost and went down to 3-3. Three and three. And I was hysterical would be an exaggeration, but I was pretty down in the dumps. I was hurt. That was a rough one. And it's Minnesota. The shade and fraud there where you just love causing misery and seeing their whiny Midwest fans upset. But what I did not expect to happen on Sunday was the Dallas Cowboys to get upset by the New York Jets and Sam Darnold, who had the mono two weeks ago and couldn't play against the Eagles. Now, that guy's tearing you up and Robbie Anderson's out there looking like Jerry Rice. Robbie Anderson. The Eagles should trade for Robbie Anderson. Get it done, Howie. Third rounder. They wanted they wanted Robbie Anderson last year, and the Jets said no and ended up trading for Golden Tate, and that didn't really work out well, as we all know. And I wonder with Joe Douglas there now, if there's an offer to be had with Robbie Anderson. Now, I get that they have a young quarterback in Darnold and, you know, look at Wentz on his rookie year deal. The Eagles were in no hurry to get rid of talented pass catchers around him. But if the price is right there, if, you know, Robbie Anderson isn't a Joe Douglas guy, he's not his guy. He didn't draft him there. Joe just got there in the offseason. He'd be had for a third rounder and maybe, maybe a second rounder. We get like a fifth rounder back in return too. get it done. Need someone to stretch the field with Deshaun Allen, even with Deshaun in there, why is having more speed a bad thing? You have Alshon Jeffrey, you have Zach Ertz, you have Dallas Goddard. All those guys are taking over the intermediate routes in the middle of the field. Let's have someone stretch the field. It's not bad to have fast guys on your team because I think Howie Roseman thinks that sometimes. Look at the cornerback. Sidney Jones looks like he's jogging down the field. Jogging down the field last week. Jogging down the field this week. Razul Douglas looked like he was in slow motion quicksand. Like some Bugs Bunny cartoon or something. And it's just not getting the job done. And they need to get speed at the two positions in the NFL where speed is the most integral aspect of their game. Well, not the most integral, but a key, key integral aspect of their game at wide receiver and cornerback. But again, the Cowboys lost somehow. 
dropping their record at 30 and 30. Now, in terms of the overall NFC playoff picture, yeah, a loss sucks. And a loss kind of takes you out of the running for probably a, a bye. The Eagles can kiss a first round bye. First round bye. Goodbye. They can kiss goodbye. And that sucks, and they won't have home field advantage in the playoffs. But the division's still there for the taking. The division is still there for the taking. Outside of the buys and seeding and everything like that, when you're just focusing on the division, the Eagles losing yesterday and the Cowboys losing has the same exact effect as the Eagles winning and the Cowboys winning. So now if the Eagles went in there and took care of business, like most Eagles fans are to hope, we would have been hyped. But if Dallas went in there and took care of business against New York like we everyone expected them to, it had the same result. They'd still have the same record. Going into next week in Dallas, Sunday night football, prime time, they'd still be in the same spot with the winner of that game taking control of the division. You have to win your divisional games. You have to beat Dallas. If you go 5-1 and one in the division, you're going to be NFC East champs. If you go 4-2 and two and drop both games against Dallas, you're not. You might not even make the playoffs at all. You might not get lucky sneaking as a wildcard team this year because this year the NFC has a lot of depth. For the first time in a while, I think the NFC is the premier conference. And I think you saw that over the last last season was the first year the balance started to shift a bit where you had the Rams, you had the Eagles, you had the Seahawks. And really in the NFC, it's just the Chiefs and the Patriots. So you have to win the division. You can't count on a wild card berth. You're not going to get a first round bye. You're not going to get a home field advantage. All that matters is that you're playing at home wild card weekend of the playoffs right now. And that's accomplished. And step one of doing that is beating Dallas. It's Dallas week, baby. It's Dallas week. Imagine that guy in that old school video from the link. I don't know if it's the 1980 season, if it's that 1980 NFC championship guy, that guy going, Dallas, we hate you. Dallas, we hate you. Someone needs to find that guy and interview him. Come on the pod. I don't know your name. If you are somehow listening to this or one of your relatives is listening to this, get that guy on the podcast. I'd love to have him on a podcast. Love to have him at a tailgate. Love to grab a beer with him. It's Dallas week. I hate the Cowboys more than I've hated literally anything in the world. And a lot of it's born out of the inferiority complex that us Philadelphians have, especially when it comes to sports and especially when it comes to football. But the real reason isn't just the Cowboys fans you see, you know, at the game in Dallas or those people. That's whatever. You're from Texas. I have, you know, one really, really good friend from college. I'm not even going to name him, give, his, give you his name and give him the satisfaction of saying it. He's from San Antonio. He's a Cowboys fan. I don't hate him for that. I get it. You're from Texas. That's what you're supposed to do. That's who you're supposed to like. The thing that makes me hate the Cowboys so much is that all the fans of the team that aren't from Texas or Oklahoma or anywhere near the state of Dallas or haven't even remotely been on a plane that possibly flew over Texas. Those people, people from South Philly, people from Northeast Philly, people from Delaware County, Bucks County, South Jersey, those people who are Cowboys fans are the scum of the earth. They're just terrible, terrible people, terrible. What happened to you in your life? That you woke up one day and said, I'm from the Philadelphia area, maybe not the city itself, Philly suburbs, whatever. I'm from the Philly area and I'm a Cowboys fan now. I'm going to root for the Cowboys. That's in my life. I'm going to go get a star painted on, star tattooed on my shoulder. I'm going to go get a Des Bryant jersey. I'm going to go get an Emmett Smith jersey. I'm going to go get a Dak Prescott jersey. What happened to you in your life that that had to happen? I don't get it. You know, for the this is the first Dallas week. They obviously play Dallas twice every year. I like to get someone else on the podcast, someone older, maybe my dad. I talk about my dad all the time in writing on Twitter. I feel like he almost has his own personality to the people that listen to me or read the stuff I tweet and write on my newsletter or I've written in the past for BGN or NBC Sports Philadelphia. I like to get him on a podcast. He turns 50 this month. I get the perspective of someone who came of age in the late 70s or in the early 80s. What was it like to be growing up in a 
era where there were even more bandwagon Cowboys fans. And what do you think caused that to happen? Obviously, the Eagles weren't great then. And before the Dick Vermeule years and between the 1960 NFC Championship game, it was really barren in Philadelphia in terms of football. Dick Vermeule changed all of that. Ron Jaworski changed all of that. I'd have you believe that Vince Papali helped change all of that, but that's certainly not true. South Philly baby came out swinging from a South Philly basement. It's just disgusting. And then I hate some of the excuses people use where it's a kid and he's just like, oh, well, you know, my dad's a Cowboys fan. Okay, well, what does that say about your dad? It's like in Fight Club. You know, what does that say about our fathers? What does it say about your father? And what does it say about you that your dad's a Cowboys fan? It says that he was weak-minded and couldn't stand rooting for a team that wasn't winning every single game. And he picked the team that is the antithesis of everything the Philadelphia Eagles stand for. He didn't just go off and root for you know, another Pennsylvania team, which I hate too. I hate all the Philadelphians who are Steelers fans. He didn't go root for the Steelers. He didn't go root for a team in a different conference. He didn't go become a Kansas City Chiefs fan. All the dudes hanging out on what? 10th and McKean outside Big Charlie Saloon, then become a San Diego Chargers fan, became a Dallas Cowboys fan. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. It's just unacceptable. I mean, I don't want them to convert back to Eagles fans. They're gone in my head. They're dead to me. Don't ever come near me again. Don't ever think you can ever sympathize or empathize with a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Don't be the guy who... Now, I, one of my friends growing up in South Philly, not going to shame him by saying his name, was a Cowboys fan. Did not like that about him. Really dampened my opinion of him. But I do recall he wasn't living in Philadelphia this time. He had moved. He moved when he was 22 or 23, whatever. During the Super Bowl run, the Eagles were, you know, about to face the Patriots in Super Bowl. He texted my buddy Enzo. For those who don't know, my buddy Enzo is the person who took the infamous picture of my girlfriend Ashley and I that went viral. And that whole saga ensued. Text my buddy Enzo and goes, you know what? I'm rooting for you guys this week. I want my home. I want my hometown to see what a Super Bowl is like. Mind you, he's never seen a Super Bowl in his life. Well, maybe he was one or two years old in what '95 when we saw, you know, the Cowboys won. But that doesn't count. He's never seen a Super Bowl in his life. Hey, I want you guys to experience Super Bowl. I want my hometown to win it. What did Enzo say? And all his South Philly Italian bravado said, "Cause you're fugazi," and that's what Cowboys fans really are. You're all fugazi. You're fugazi, cause they're fake. They're just terrible people. They just represent everything I hate about this world. They're in, you know, this capitalistic hellscape down in 18T Stadium, Jerry World, this idiotic dome that is just standing there in this gigantic oversized thing in stark defiance of God. I hate it. I hate everything they they symbolize. They're America's team. They're the worst aspects of America personified. They're everything I hate about the world. They just suck. And the thing that anyone could be from Philadelphia and claim to be a Philadelphian and claim to love this city, not only root for its team that's not the Cowboys, I mean, not the Eagles, I should say, to be from, from Philadelphia and not root for the, for the Eagles, I don't really know what you're doing. You're not a real Philadelphian to me. But if you're from here, if you're a transplant, if you moved here from Chicago, I have a couple friends who moved here from Chicago, you love Philadelphia, you want to live here, you grew up a Bears fan, knock yourself out, totally fine. Now, if you grew up here and want to become a Houston Texans fan. I don't, I don't know what you're doing, but sure. Like go knock yourself out. I don't really care. It's, it's weird, but there are people like that. There's random, there are a lot of Carolina Panthers fans. And I don't know if that stemmed from the Eagles losing to, if this is anecdotal, it's just my own personal experience. I knew a lot of Panthers fans. And I don't know if that was, you know, kids who were trolls in grade school and were rooting for the Panthers or made fun of the kids who were Eagles fans for the Panthers beating the Eagles in the 2003 NFC championship game. I don't know what it's about. Maybe they love Steve Smith. Maybe they love, he hate me. Rod Smart. 
I don't care. Being a Panthers fan is weird. But to be a Cowboys fan, to be a Cowboys fan, you're not a real Philadelphian. I don't care. I don't care if your grandma's from Dallas. I don't care if your grandma, your great aunt was one of the original Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. I don't care if your dad's cousin's friend's niece's uncle's friend was in the same unit in the Navy as Roger Stahlbeck. I don't care about any of it. If you live in Philadelphia or the Philadelphia surrounding area, Delco, Bucks County, South Jersey, I don't even know all these places. I don't concern myself with the suburbs. If you're from any of these places and are a Dallas Cowboys fan, you are the biggest fraud alive. Fugazi, cuz. Fugazi. There are those kind of janky shirts along the, you know, Wildwood Boardwalk in South Jersey, Jersey Shore. You know, everyone from South Philly, Northeast Philly growing up. Everyone goes to Wildwood. And I'm sure there's like this on similar boardwalks, Ocean City, whatever. From the South Philly boardwalk, there's all these, you know, knockoff t-shirts. They have people peeing on the, not the American flag, people like, uh, you know, Trump novelty t-shirts, people peeing on a Dallas Cowboys star logo, stuff like that. Just, just nonsense shirts, booty shorts with, you know, dangerous written on the butt. Weird stuff like that that, you know, kids who are 16, 17, whatever, are going to love and mess around with their friends and buy and have fun in Wildwood like kids are supposed to. Getting ahead of myself. Anyway, on these in these stores, these janky t-shirt stores, they've always had one recurring feature and it's changed by sport, but there's they're always one of the constants of the Wildwood t-shirt, t-shirt boardwalk scene. Philadelphia writer who now writes for Deadspin, Dan McQuaid, has profiled these Jersey Shore t-shirt boardwalk shirts for years. You should read his features on that. Google Dan McQuaid, Deadspin, boardwalk t-shirt. That's it's amazing. But again, there is this shirt and it's a you know picture of a skeleton or something like that. And a guy is in a rocking chair and it says you know something akin of, I root for two teams, the Eagles and whoever's playing the Cowboys. And it's such a cliche and it's so dumb and it's so something stupid. It's something your Uncle Frank would wear when he comes over to watch the game with you on Sundays while Nana's heating up some gravy. But it's true. It really, really is. In August, I was at a birthday party for one of my best friends, Joe Anzer. And we're sitting in his apartment and there was a Cowboys 49ers preseason game on. And I'm rooting for the 49ers at my best friend's birthday party just because I hate the Cowboys that much. I want them to have as much misery in their lives as the Eagles have brought me during their worst times. Is that sad? Is that weird? Yeah, but there's nothing remotely logical about either one, being a football fan, two, being a Philadelphia fan, and three, and chiefly, being a Philadelphia Eagles sports fan. There's nothing like it. It's insane. It's a cult. As Jack Fritz, the great Jack Fritz of Counterpoint Podcast would say, I'm a diseased Eagles fan. Jack's a diseased Eagles fan. I'm a diseased Eagles fan. And I hopefully, if you're listening to this, I'm connecting with you on a personal level and you are a fellow diseased Eagles fan. You can really connect with what I'm saying and understand how just disgusting it is to see all these people in our city just root for all the things that are antithetical to what makes Philadelphia this great place. These hardworking people, these people from come from all these different socioeconomic or racial backgrounds, educational backgrounds, all these different people together unite when they're fighting about everything else in the world at every other moment of the day and week for three hours on Sunday. They're one. If you're a Cowboys fan, you don't understand that. You just don't understand it. My voice is getting all excited right now. I'm so into this. The Cowboys just make me heat. My blood is boiling. I'm just, my hands are going all over the place. My name is Seamus Clancy, but I was raised Italian in South Philly. So I'm throwing my hands everywhere. My mom and grandma are super Italian. It's fine. And Dallas Week just gets me so amped for it. Dallas Week, just saying Dallas Week, I just get, oh, 
this means everything. This means everything. I think the Eagles win on Sunday. I always think the Eagles are going to win on Sunday. But when it comes to Dallas, I always, always think the Eagles are going to win. If you want to read some more of my writing, you could follow me on Twitter at Seamus Clancy. Seamus, S-H-A-M-U-S underscore Clancy, C-L-A-N-C-Y. You could also follow me. My newsletter from Broad Street with Love, aptly titled. For just $2 a month, you get a newsletter delivered into your email mail inbox every Monday through Friday. Just $2 per month for essentially 20 newsletters per month. You know, I'll get my writings about the Eagles, the Sixers, and every Friday I give my Eagles prediction. So if you want to hear the official, official game score and touchdowns and crazy stuff predictions, subscribe to my newsletter, $2 per month, patreon.com slash shameless underscore clients. But I'm going to do some predictions now that the Eagles will win. Amari Cooper might not play. Talk about a saving grace. Look how terrible, absolutely terrible, Razul Douglas and Sidney Jones. Sidney Jones, what a terrible pick. In my newsletter for today that would have come out, it's for Tuesday. Let's take a look back at Howie Roseman's you know, first and second round selections over the last, you know, since he came back to power in 2016. And they're not necessarily as terrible as I realized. He really just sucked on the middle round picks. And those are essentially lottery tickets to a degree. Even the best GMs and the best scouts get those picks wrong in the middle of the late rounds. But when you're taking Sidney Jones at the 43rd overall pick when he could have selected Juju Smith-Schuster or Cooper Cup or Alvin Kamara, could you imagine any of those three guys in the Eagles offense right now? Could you imagine if Carson Wentz came out, line of scrimmage, on the left, you had Deshaun Jackson in the slot, J.J. Smith-Schuster, tight end Zach Ertz, opposite side, Alshon Jeffrey, Miles Sanders in the backfield. There isn't a defense in the world who could stop those guys. It'd be unbelievable. But no, we have Sidney Jones. Gimpy always hurts Sidney Jones. It's not even like, you know, Joel Embiid when he was going through his injury-prone phase and missing, you know, almost entire seasons. When he was on the court, you could tell he was dominant. Even from his first game, you could tell that dude was dominant. And you saw the flashes that made all of the injury risk worth it with him. That's not even remotely close to Sidney Jones's. When he's on the field... You're not even thinking to yourself, you know, that guy doesn't really play a lot, but when he gets on the field, he makes the most of it. That's not Sidney Jones. You're left every time he makes a play. Well, I shouldn't say he makes a play. When he's in on a play, you're left wondering, why did Harry Roseman and the Eagles and maybe for blaming Joe Douglas too is now left the building? I wouldn't be surprised if Jones gets cut or traded for a seventh round pick or something in this offseason. And, you know, Howie in the front office leaks out, hey, actually, uh, Sidney Jones was a Joe Douglas pick, so let's distance ourselves from that guy. Stop drafting people from the University of Ar- University of Washington. You know, Matisse Thibel on the Sixers might change that whole perception I have on Washington players. They look pretty ridiculous defensively in the preseason so far for the Sixers. But after Mark Foltz, Sidney Jones, keep me away from University of Washington people for the indefinite future. Dallas week, baby. Dallas week. I'm so amped. I'm going to have some people over for the game. Make some buffalo chicken dip. Just live it up. It's Dallas week, baby. Those are really my two favorite Eagles games of the year. If they're playing Dallas and the games mean something for both teams, the adrenaline rush I get leading up to that game, I get leading up to kickoff from, you know, if it's a one o'clock game from, you know, the moment I get in the tailgate parking lot down in Jetro in South Philly. If you're a BGN listener and want to come by for a tailgate, you're in town to see an Eagles game, it's your first Eagles game, you don't know where to go tailgate, just hit me up on Twitter, send me an email. SeamusJClancy at gmail.com. Hit me up. I'll show you a nice time. Have you hang out with some great Eagles fans? From the moment I get into that lot, or the moment I wake up, if it's a road game, doesn't matter if it's a 1 o'clock game, 4 o'clock game, it'll be, or an 8-20 game. I feel like we're always playing Cowboys at least once or twice per year in prime time. 
my mood changes. I'm just so amped. It reminds me of, I don't know how true this is, but this is my dad told me when I was a kid. It's probably to a degree, but not the way he's saying it. John Madden had to stop coaching because he's just like, I don't know if it's sort of a panic attack thing or the way my dad explained to me when I was a kid was he just got so excited for the games that he was literally having a heart condition or I don't know if it's panic attacks or something like that, that he just physically couldn't coach anymore. It was just that draining on him and that's how excited and into it he was. That's how I feel every time the Eagles play the Cowboys. Like the 15 minutes before the game, like I'm ready to explode, just shaking, just alive in a way that few things in this world make me. And maybe that makes me weird for caring so much about a football team. But if you're listening to this podcast, you probably care just as much as I do. Maybe you don't get as crazy and into it and as psycho about the Eagles and the Cowboys rivalry and all the dynamics that go into that. But you understand. You understand where I'm coming from. And that's why I want to be to you guys. Voice of reason. Maybe not voice of a rational reason. And that person you could understand where their insane tendencies as Eagles fans come from. You know, either whether you're connecting with me on a personal level or I'm, you know, I remind you of your crazy friend or your dad or whoever. I feel like these are feelings that a lot of Eagles fans have. A lot of Eagles fans have. And, you know, I'm grateful BGN gives me a spot to, you know, put them out there. And I could really, you know, I'm doing a podcast about how much I hate the Cowboys right now. I'm drinking a coconut LaCroix. I could not be happier right now. I could not be more excited for Sunday. Vikings games behind me. Attention's focused at Dallas. It's Dallas week, baby. Live it up. Be a troll on Twitter. Look up the blogging the boys Twitter account and tweet crazy nonsense at them. Find some random Cowboys fans and just tweet at them and say the most ridiculous stuff. Tweet about how Dak stinks. How Zeke is, you know, a terrible person. I don't know. How Emmett Smith was a system running back. You know, those things get them riled up. Just some starters. Take it from there. Just take it from there. Have fun. It's Dallas week, guys. Live it up. It's Dallas week, baby. Dallas, we hate you. Dallas, we hate you. Seamus Clancy, sign off, guys. Go Birds.